I don't think there'll ever be a a church that buys a piece of land in Richfield and makes it a church. Like, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Mm-hmm. You have to fit into existing spaces. And so we knew basically the only way we will ever get a building is if this situation happens where yeah. there's churches that are not going to make it and they actually are inclined to be favorable to us in God's grace. And that's that's what happened. We weren't really even looking for this at the time. And so it's been a huge Huge help. We have a really nice piece of land uh, there, and it made, it's made it a lot easier just to do the work of the ministry there. Welcome back to the Resurrection Church Podcast. I am joined today by Brian Blazowski, pastor of Richfield Bible Church. Brian, thanks for coming on our church podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for your prayers for us and uh, encouragement over the years as well. Yeah, so we try to interview pastors of churches that we pray for regularly. That way we know who we're praying for a little bit more because we can talk about churches that we have a partnership with or a relationship with. And often that means that the pastors of the churches have a relationship, and there might be some church members who have overlap, uh, but especially as there are people added to our church who are not from Eden or Richfield or have a family connection there, uh, we thought it would be helpful to get to know you guys a little bit better. So maybe you could start by just telling us who you are, if you're married, if you have children. I know you you do and are, mm-hmm. but um, maybe tell us a little bit about your family. But uh, originally from Western Pennsylvania, from the sticks of Western PA coal mining country, uh, my dad, grand grandfathers, all coal miners, um, you know, grew up there. My parents still live out there. Uh, but when I was, well, when I was fourteen, came to know Christ. I, I did grow up in a Christian home, but I didn't really um, understand my own sin, my need of the gospel. I think until I was fourteen, I uh, came to Christ then, and uh, early on, just didn't really know what I wanted to do, what the Lord wanted me to do, other than uh, something involved in teaching the Bible, communicating the Bible to, to other people. And so that just kind of set me on a path to go to a Christian college. And then um, from there, my cousin, uh, who, is, who grew up with me there in Western Pennsylvania, he's pastors now in Virginia, he was up at a school in Wisconsin called Northland. It was a Bible college. And he was over the grad school, recruited me to come up there to the grad school. And so I went up there. And uh, started doing a master's degree, got a chance to teach a little bit as a teaching assistant, and that kind of led to the Lord confirming more pursuit of teaching and getting involved in a church plant that was going on up there as well, and that gave me the church experience. And so the Lord just kind of gave those desires, increased those, those desires for both teaching the Word and local church ministry, and then that's where I met uh, my wife now as well, Trisha. So we've been married coming up on 15 years. Wow. And uh, we have five kids as well. And and then we stayed there in Wisconsin. I came out full-time at that school and, and was there for 10 years. And uh, we stayed there all the way until the school closed in 2015. And then in, through a lot of different circumstances, we ended up out here in the Twin Cities and uh, par- at Eden Baptist Church, which then led to the origins of Richfield Bible Church. Yeah, so um, what are your kids' names? Yeah, so we got, uh, well, their first names are not always what they go by. Okay. But, uh, so all my kids have a Turkish name, um, 
and some of them go by that name. But my oldest daughter, uh, her first name is Ashley, but she, most people don't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so her, wow. uh, she goes by Nesha. That's her middle name. And that means joy, her giddiness in Turkish. And then we've got uh, Nesha's uh, 10. And then Ava, she's nine. And then we've got Layla and Peyton and then a little guy, Elijah. So four of them were pretty close. And then wow. we ended up with, uh, with Elijah, who's uh, one about one and a half. Wow. So why are there Turkish names for each of your children? Yeah. Uh, and I guess not all those names probably sounded Turkish. So so the, the Turkish parts are Nesha, Oslam, Leyla, uh, Umet, and Yusuf. Okay. I didn't think Peyton was probably yeah, yeah. Turkish. Yeah, yeah. Peyton, Peyton is named after John Peyton. You, you should read his autobiography if you've never read it. I haven't. That, uh, missionary to the New Hebrides Islands in the 1800s. So that's why we named him what we did. But... Uh, what was the question? So, um, why Turkish names? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, basically, when we were at Northland, there was a big focus on helping students get exposure to different parts of the world, different ministries in the world, and so uh, that would include uh, China. We had a lot of people going over and teaching English in China, and then there was a push towards uh, other countries like Morocco, and then we wanted to find a place uh, like Turkey, and, and end up being Turkey. And so, I was kind of asked, but uh, also just interested when we first heard about that, uh, about just a trip, exploring, just to see what we could do if we could get students over there, mm-hmm. let them see what it was like to live in Turkey. And so started doing that in 2007. And then I loved it so much that when I came on full time the next year, I started to lead those trips uh, and got married and, and we did that together as a couple. So we would go over every summer and spend a good portion, maybe 35 days of every summer we would be in Turkey. And so we just grew to love it and uh, love all the, with so many friends over there that we made. Some of our kids are named after those friends. Uh, others are just names we picked up that we loved wow. uh, while we were there. Yeah. Do you still have a connection to Turkey? Do you go back? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we were there for our 10th anniversary um, was the last time I was there with my wife, but I'm hoping to go this next summer for the first time with all my kids. And so this will be our family vacation. Uh, so other people like to travel different places. Uh, we just go there. And Good. so this will be great. the first time, though, uh, with all of the kids. And wow. so we've been saving up for that, and and uh, they're really excited about it and get to see you. They'll get to see what uh, their parents love. That's great. Um, when you moved to Minnesota following your time at Northland, I remember that you were living in a, an extravagant home. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a home that... Uh, you had a little office in a little garage shed next to it. Um, And you were completing a doctoral degree. Can you tell us just a little bit about what that degree was and what your research interest was? Yeah. Um, So when I was teaching at Northland, uh, part of the requirement is also what I wanted to do, but part of the requirement was I needed to continue education until I got the PhD. So Mm -hmm. I was just always working on the side on education. So I did a... Master of Divinity, start working on some THM courses, which is like the initial post-grad courses. And then eventually I needed to work on a PhD. So uh, I was doing that at Ridley College in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I went there primarily to work under one specific guy, Brian Rossner, who's a great New Testament scholar and was just willing uh, in God's providence and grace (laughs) to have me as a student. And so I would take trips over there every summer. And uh, he was, at the time really working on Paul and the Law. <clears throat> and uh, Paul and the Law was a big part of my teaching. I was teaching mostly in Pauline studies 
at Northland. And so this was a good fit. And I had had a lot of questions, you know, maybe about writing on that or writing on Galatians or something or Romans, because those were my big areas. And so I uh, ended up being able to get something that worked through all of those kinds of questions. So the, the basic question of the dissertation was, uh, are Gentiles uh, under the curse of the law of Moses? So most Paul in the law studies are about how the law relates to Christians, or maybe how the law relates to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was more, how does the law relate to non-Jewish people okay. who aren't Christians? Uh, are, and so, so the simple entry point is like Galatians 3.13, says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, and then it quotes the curse in Deuteronomy 27. And I would just say, you know, when you read that, do you think that includes you? And and I think, you know, I'm talking to, like, to Gentile Christians, and I think all of us say, yeah, that includes that includes me. But have we ever really thought through that? Because if if it does, then that must mean that we were under the curse of the law of Moses. Yeah. If Christ had to redeem us from it, and so how does that work? Because we weren't part of the Sinai Covenant, we weren't yep. given the Law of Moses, uh, and it, or if you answered that the other way and said that doesn't include us, that only includes Jewish Christians, like what is Paul saying in Galatians, Yeah. So the, and what is the basis of the condemnation of Gentiles if it's not anything to do with the Law of Moses? So that was the kind of the question, and I was working on that. I was almost maybe within a year of being done when Northland closed, and so that actually became the number one priority for us, or maybe one of two priorities. One was we wanted to find a church that could help us know what the next step should be because the closure of Northland was pretty pretty sudden. We had been planning to stay there, so we were looking for a church to give us counsel, but I also wanted to just try to finish that thesis as quickly as I could. And so we actually moved out here to go to Eden Baptist Church, and the Lord provided a really, really cheap small house <laughs> in the middle of Richfield, which I didn't know anything about, and uh, it was through a mutual friend <laughs> and um, yeah, so we ended up living in, I don't know, maybe like a 400 square foot house with our three little girls at the time. And uh, that we call that the little bitty house. It's still standing amazingly wow. there in the middle of Richfield. So they didn't take it down and they, they have yeah. done a little work. The idea is to take it down, but it's been there like six or seven years since we lived in there. But that really was for us. Um, you know, there's a song that talks about here I raise my Ebenezer kind of thing. Yeah. Like for us, that's that house because that was how the Lord provided for us. Yep. We hardly had to pay anything for it. There was also an even smaller house, if you could call it a house, on the same property. That was my office. It didn't have water, but it had heat. And so I would just walk over over there, work all day on the dissertation. And uh, yeah, that was how we ended up being able to finish the the thesis. And then through that, that led actually to the growing partnership with Eden and the desire to eventually plant in Richfield where we were living. Wow. Um, you mentioned that you were a pastor as well in <clears throat> in Wisconsin. And um, for people who aren't aware of kind of the layout of everything, probably a lot of churches there, or at least a couple, their um, overall membership numbers were attached to Northland's numbers mm-hmm. as they had students and faculty. So prob- was there probably some hand-in-hand, like, as Northland closed, it wasn't that you left a church behind saying, I'm just off because my school's out, but um, part of the hard, complex piece of churches in northern Wisconsin. Yeah, um, and where we were living 
was actually right on the border of Michigan. Okay. So the church that I was involved in was in Michigan. I was in a little town called Norway. And uh, I mentioned my cousin. He actually was involved in planting that church about a year before I got there. So when I moved up there, I knew I was going to go to that church and try to help out, get a youth group started. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really what happened. So I went there from the time I, I moved there, and then was there for 10 years. And that's kind of where I, I mean, I think I was maybe 22 when I moved up there. So that was like my really first chance to really get that involved in a church ministry. So I worked with the youth and then was a deacon and then became a pastor there towards the end. And there was a good mix of people from Northland, but it was, the goal was always really to try to, you know, establish a church within that community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't really want to, we're probably not the best place to get into all the details, but it was a really sad situation actually where the church closed prior and, and disconnected from the things mm-hmm. at Northland. And so that was a, that was a pretty challenging thing for our family, for that church. Uh, by God's grace, there are other gospel preaching churches, and the Lord used that church during that decade. But but the church actually closed about three months before Northland closed. Okay. And so our entire life was in upheaval. You know, the church closed, and we were still planning to stay. But then Northland closed, and we had no idea what to do. Okay. And yeah. we were having our third child like two days after graduation. So, Oh, man. So we were all like, no idea what to do. We just need a church. I yep. got to finish this dissertation, and that's in God's providence how we ended up in the Twin yeah. Cities. So, so moving to Minnesota then was a really hard time, and landed in a city you've never been in or probably ever heard about before, mm-hmm. um, and started attending Eden. And during that time, obviously, you were getting to know people in Richfield in the city. Um, is that you're living there? Is that kind of the whole reason you thought, man, the city needs a church? Yeah. Um, you know, as far as Eden goes, because that was a that was why we moved out here was specifically to go there. <clears throat> that uh, relates to a lot of their elders, their kids were coming to Northland, and so I knew them through that. And so when the school closed, they knew what was going on. So I actually reached out to Dan Miller, who's the lead elder there, and just said, "You know what's happening? You know, we don't know what to do. We're just looking. For, we're not looking for a staff position. We're just looking for a church that could." care for us and give us counsel. And he just was like, come, we'll do anything that we can. You know, we'll have to pray about the housing, but you come, we'll do whatever we can to help you. And so then when the housing piece came into Richfield, you know, we were just thinking we're going to be here six months to a year while I write this thing. I'll probably go back into teaching full-time somewhere else. And that actually looked like that was going to happen. So Eden really just welcomed us, cared for us, and gave me a lot of chances to teach and so forth because we thought I'd only be there a short time. And, you know, we just loved being there. And during that maybe six-month, eight-month period uh, where I was writing a lot, we ended up growing just to love Richfield, looking around who is actually focused on this part of the Twin Cities, you know, where are the churches that are reaching the people who live here in these neighborhoods, and um, and then when the teaching stuff didn't, when I, we didn't pursue that uh, anymore, uh, Eden was really wanting to plant. Mm-hmm. And we started to talk like they were like, we've been waiting for someone you know, to lead a church plant. Maybe God's brought you here to do that. And so that's really where we started the conversations was about six months after we moved out to this area. And when they started talking about that, I kept thinking, you know, 
we would love to be here in Richfield. We love this area, and we think there's room for a gospel work here within the community. And so that that led led to the whole process of church planting. Okay. So I know probably we don't have time to get too much into all of the details of that process, but um, that was probably 2016 as you guys started to meet and meet with people in the church and form a group who would go. And then you guys had your first meeting covenant ceremony. What what do you call that? Yeah. I know you're not supposed to say a church launch because that's not biblical. Oh, I just I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, we we covenanted together in May of 2017. Okay, that was after a a year of me being on staff at Eden. Mm-hmm. So one year I was just living out here. Then we really committed to the plant. Okay, but one year I was on like a church planter in residence, maybe something like what Mel's doing. I don't know. I think here at Resurrection, mm-hmm. but and then uh, during that time we we're trying to gather a team. And okay. We, and we launched in May of 2017. Yeah, so you uh, launched with a group of people, some coming from Eden and some from elsewhere who you had connections with. Maybe tell us a little bit about that original group and yeah. um, and then what, what you guys went to. Um, did you have a building? Were you able to make good contacts in Richfield right away? Kind of the beginning of that story. Yeah. So, yeah, a key part of this, of the, of the planting aspect was I I wasn't really like pursuing being a church planter certainly not in the sense of like I want to go plant here and then a couple years later I'm going to leave and go plant somewhere else I felt more inclined towards pastoral ministry but maybe the Lord would work through actually planting a church that I would pastor but I would never want to do that on my own Mm -hmm. and so this probably never would have happened apart from the connection with Eden Baptist Church for one and then having a teammate who, who actually moved up here that I knew really well, and we did this together. And that's Phil Trock. Uh, he's still a pa- he's still our other pastor. The two of us pastor the church together uh, to this day. But Phil and I worked at Northland together, worked in that same church together, went through all of these ups and downs uh, together. And he had moved to Louisville to do some education, but it all coincided at the right time where he was looking to get into church ministry. He had a job that allowed him to come and work remotely at a technology job. And so we really partnered together to lead a group from Eden to plant. And so we actually were, were there at Eden for a year together, gathering a group, talking about what this might look like. And we ended up with with our families, 10 other adults from Eden. So 14 members from Eden Baptist went out to plant Richfield Bible Church uh, in May of 2017. And so uh, we did have another four from Eden that came in the, in the preceding months mm-hmm. after that, but there were 14 of us initially that launched out to plant the church. We went and, uh, yeah, the finding of a location was really hard for us, but eventually the Lord opened up a chance in the Richfield Public Schools, and we had an incredible relationship with those schools, and uh, they really were a blessing to us and made it possible for us to be able to meet. And uh, so we stayed there in the schools uh, we, you know, for about four years and saw the church just grow, Nothing, never massive, like uh, quick growth, but just slow and steady growth um, for the next four years within the schools. And then um, basically two dying churches um, within Richfield that were meeting in the same building uh, more or less approached us and said, we have this older building. Uh, We're not going to be able to maintain it. 
we've heard about you guys. Uh, we believe you preach the gospel that we preach. Would you want the building? That was pretty much how that went down. And so about two years ago, we bought the building for like $75,000 and, uh, and then started to renovate it for a year. And then we've been in there a year and a half maybe uh, wow. right now. So, so yeah, we just, that, that was kind of the, the story uh, of the church. Phil is now full-time at the church as well. He, so he no longer works the technology jobs. So there's two of us that, that now focus full-time on the ministry there. And we've just seen God do a lot of great things the last five and a half years. Wow. Yeah, I remember watching a little bit from a distance, you guys getting into that building. That's amazing because there are not that many buildings or plots of land available in Richfield. Yeah, yeah. there's basically none. I mean, we, we knew from the beginning that that was going to be a huge challenge with planting in Richfield and because uh, there's, there's no land. I don't think there'll ever be a, a church that buys a piece of land in Richfield and makes it a church. Like, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Mm-hmm. You have to fit into existing spaces. And so we knew... Basically, the only way we will ever get a building is if this situation happens, where yeah. there's churches that are not going to make it, and they actually are inclined to be favorable to us in God's grace. And that's that's what happened. We weren't really even looking for this at the time. And so it's been a huge, huge help. We have a really nice piece of land uh, there, and it made, it's made it a lot easier just to do the work of the ministry there. Yeah, and I, Kate and I were able to visit while I was on sabbatical, we really enjoyed being with you guys, and it, it is filling up in there. Yeah, and it was great to feel the energy of a lot of people mm-hmm. excited to be a church. And I know you guys. Well, when when do you stop being a church plant, and when are you just a church? Uh, well, I think uh, maybe like you guys, I think you're connected with the Send Network, uh, which is like an SBC uh, church planning group, and we were connected mm-hmm. with that as well when we went out. And <clears throat> for five years, they send you like gift cards. Did go out on dates, and then they sent me a letter this year that says you are no longer going to get those. So, <laughs> so you're no longer a church plant. Yes. Yeah, so at least in that perspective, we are no longer classified as a church. Plant. Yeah. There, there are different metrics for measuring a church's growth and age, and one of them is whether or not you get gift cards from yes. the Sin Network anymore. Yes. Well, congrats for moving it past that stage, yes. and uh, it'll be sad, I'm sure, for you in the years ahead. No, no, it was, it, that was a great experience. But yeah, we, we, I think are more stable as a church. There's just a feel, you know, that's that's different now as we think more about, you know, maybe supporting and sending missionaries, supporting and sending church plants. I mean, I, th- I think those are the natural markers, mm-hmm. um, maybe adding more elders, you know, to the mix. Um, but just when you feel like you're not unsure, you know, if you're going to make it year by year, not yep. that you want to be complacent, but just that there's a, a different feel, you know, now than there was in year one, and there's pluses and minuses to that, because sometimes in those early years when you're not sure if you're going to make it, you know, you feel your dependence on the Lord, and you can forget that later. That was actually part of our challenge this year at our members retreat is that really we're now dif- we're no different yep. than we were early on. You know, we still need the Lord just in the same in the same ways, but I think you do get this feeling that hey, things are pretty stable, and they're you know now it's time to start planning more of what does the future look like as we want to not be the last church planted, but rather be a church that plants yep. churches both locally and abroad. So I, I almost hate to ask this question because I don't like uh, the whole church branding thing, you know, our unique thing that makes us different than all other churches. But what, what um, 
is unique about Richfield Bible Church? What what is Richfield Bible Church doing in Richfield that maybe um, some churches were doing, but not very many, or or that wasn't there at all, but through the Lord's kindness and growing this church is now happening? Yeah, um, this is a good question because I think it's important anytime we think about church planting, you know, do, do we really know what other churches are around and that we have a good perspective of those other churches? And, and I felt like there were places in Richfield where you could hear the gospel, and for that I rejoice, and I, I want to get to know those people. We may disagree on a lot of other things, lesser things, but you know, where, where could people hear the gospel? Are there places? And, and we didn't feel like Richfield was a place where you could not hear the gospel. There were a few churches I felt like you could go there and learn of Christ, and so we were always thankful for that and still try to keep up relationships with some of those churches. But in terms of what churches are there in Richfield where you could hear the gospel that are actually focused on the people of Richfield, that was a big question for us because Richfield was kind of all built in the 50s through like the GI Bill and stuff. It went from like 9,000 to 40,000 people like in a decade. And so you had all these churches. There was kind of like the Baptist Church. There was the Presbyterian Church, and you had these like churches that were all started during that time. But if you know anything about Richfield, it's basically South Minneapolis, and it's it's often uh, viewed as starter homes. And so, basically, what happens is people get their first home there. Then, as their family grows, they move out more to the suburbs. This is pretty normal. And so, those churches that initially, in the fifties and sixties, were were trying to reach Richfield, their people moved away outside of the city, and Richfield's got the big roads all around it, if you look at it on a map. And so it became more of a commuter place. And so we were really burdened about who's actually focused on the people who live here now. And so so I would say in terms of like why we called ourselves Richfield, one is super small and you know if you're near it or not. Mm-hmm. But that was a big part of our mission was we, we want to be f- in and of and for this local community. We want to see people reach with the gospel who live right here or in Bloomington, you know, in the very near places. Not that people can come from further out, but that was a big focus for us because that's where I saw the need. It was, mm-hmm. and, then, and then I think there weren't really many, many or maybe any uh, churches that were going to be similar in the philosophy part of ministry, especially in the focus on the Word, mm-hmm. um, the preaching of the Word, the training of people in the Word. Um, that was going to be a a key thing uh, for us, and um, yeah. So th- those, I mean, there were things that definitely mark out our church as being a Baptistic church that really focuses on the Word and has plurality of elders, you know, leading the congregation. Those things, you know, are maybe mark us out, but it was largely I saw the need for a gospel preaching church that was directly focused on that. Mm-hmm community that tipped us over the edge to plant there. Yeah, so two two questions on that then. Is the church has grown? Are most of the people living in Richfield? Yeah, so I would say, uh, and, and just, I mean, we're not we're not huge, you know, so we're not like t- a big about talking about numbers or something like as if this is a, a boast or anything, you know, but we maybe we have like 115 attenders. So that'll okay. give some, you know, that'll give some perspective of like how big the church is. And uh, I would say, you know, we have about 80 of those that are members uh, in the church right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, probably I would think 75 to 80% of the membership 
lives in Richfield or within like five minutes. Okay. You know, so because because the borders, you know, you've got South Minneapolis, yeah. Edina, and yeah, kind of overlaps. But it, so we have a lot of people that live just across in Bloomington, for example. But like that's where the bulk is, and then God's also blessed us with great members and attenders who come from other places too, because we never want to discourage that. But yep. we have seen uh, the Lord really bless those initial desires to. And, and anything we're involved in the community is always in Richfield because that's geographically where yeah. God has put us. So then um, with Richfield being sort of that place where people will buy a first home and then move, and now you guys have been there since 2017, do you experience that in your congregation where people will join and then move away? Uh, is there a lot of turnover maybe or um, people who are connected and then move on to, to other places? Um, yeah, that's a, we haven't really seen that a lot with our own, with our own families. And so I don't, I think a lot of the people that went with us initially, you know, we, I think basically all of us live there and we wanted to be there, you know, within the community. And then I think most of the people that have joined the church over the last five years, they really love the church and they see the, they've seen the value firsthand of being okay you know, around many other people that are within your church. And so maybe that's a pull. You know, there's certainly been people who've moved away. Yeah. No no doubt. But I it hasn't typically been moved from Richfield out further into the suburbs. It's been more like move out of the Twin Cities, you okay. know, and find a new church somewhere yeah. else. So the maybe kind of that uh, community belonging church family that a lot of the average people lack when they are just thinking, nice place to buy a cheap home. And then we'll mm-hmm. establish ourselves elsewhere. People are able to establish themselves as part of a Christian community mm-hmm. in in Richfield. Yeah, and it's it's a huge blessing when you've got people all over the streets of your town. And mm-hmm. if you ever go to Richfield, it's basically just residential streets everywhere, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. You know, for my family, but for other families, you know, to know like when you're driving by these streets, like here here are people that live here, you know, from our church, and and uh, you know, hopefully people buy into that and and want to see their neighbors reached with the gospel. And and we think, you know, long-term, you know, Richfield, if it has 40,000 people, a church of, our, our building maxes out at 165. You yeah. Know, like, that's not going to be all that we need to reach the community, you know, and so hopefully there'll be people that will stick around too and we'll be able to see churches planted. That's great. Well, I want to share a couple of memories that I have with you. All right. And then I want maybe for you to share with us how we can be praying for you as as the church. Um, a couple of memories I have of Brian. One one is that um, Brian, even though he was only planning to be at Eden to finish school and then move on, you connected with pretty much any student you had at Northland, it seemed like, or anyone at Eden who was interested in talking. And you would, you and your wife would invite Kate and I over, and um, we would watch your kids while you guys would go on a date, and then you guys would come back. And let us join your bedtime routine, and then we'd play a game and eat ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I, I had never experienced anything like that. But Kate and I, I think, were engaged on one side of that and married for some of it. And that was just a really um, good experience for us to see what other families do. And um, a, I thought a good model of how parents with kids could relate to married couples without kids or single couples. Mm-hmm. Um, because we we kind of felt like at times, oh man, unless we have kids, we don't quite fit with everybody because mm-hmm. we're not truly adults yet. But then also we don't quite fit with, you know, the dating couples. 
and I thought that was a really unique way to both connect with people, disciple, and um, have the convenience of some childcare. Do you guys still do things like that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We we love we love having people over. You know, kind of view our house, you know, the revolving door sort of sort of thing. We want people in a lot, and and that's been a huge part of of life is you know having people over with our kids like it's it's really rare that like in the evening and it and feels the same way our other pastor like we don't go out with other people typically we have people come over you know to our home with our families or we'll go with our with our family somewhere mm-hmm. else but the main thing is when it's evenings you know we we love to have our family involved with other people we want our family to know the people in the church and then and we love to let people in on that and and see what it looks like you know to have a crazy house and how we try to put them to bed and sing with them and and those sorts of things and then inviting people to stay after that's that's just been a huge part of our our life and we love it you know and every families are different not every couple's going to be the same on this but but for me and Trish like that's something that we really love and uh, I think some of that goes back to our days at Northland like that was just a huge part of our life there and uh, we saw the Lord bless that and and so we've been trying to continue that ever since. Yeah. You guys lived in a home on the college campus, right? So that yeah. probably made it a little easier. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was great. That was one of that was probably one of the greatest blessings of being there at the school is that we actually lived in an apartment and then in a house on campus. And so the opportunities to teach were so connected to discipleship and and, and I think again in God's providence that really set us up well for what we're doing today and the kind of ministry we hope to to have and then instill in others so that, you know, whether they stay in the Twin Cities or, or go elsewhere, that they can pick that up in their own homes and, and see the church grow that way. Yeah. Well, you and I had like one year of overlap with kind of being in the office at Eden together. Mm-hmm. You were there once a week and mm-hmm. I was there three times a week and you would be working on your sermons and I think you were preaching through the Gospel of Mark as your first mm-hmm. series, or maybe right after like a Who Are We identity value mm-hmm. series. And um, sometimes you would come out of the office, and you know, I was I was like in school, and I was like, oh man, Brian is so smart. He got his PhD <laughs> under Rosner and Bird. Like, and you would come out probably just thinking aloud about your sermon, and you'd be like, what does this mean? And I would always feel <laughs> so nervous about that. Um, but in some of those conversations, conversations, you would be working on coming up with modern-day parables that could help us mm-hmm. better understand Jesus's parables. Do you remember any of your modern-day parables, or were there any that you got a ton of feedback, like, man, if Jesus were alive today, he would have used that instead of, you know, what he used back then? Yeah, you know, it's been a couple of years. I can't—I I don't think I could come up with a whole one. I, I know there's one about a guy going out to fish, and but I—, I Yeah, I that's all remember. I remember of it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing, though. I, I'd seen— Years ago, this modern parable, like videos or whatever. I don't know. Have you ever seen those? No. Yeah, I think it's called Modern Parable. And they did, um, you know, an okay, like movie-ish rendition, like a short, like maybe like 10 to 15 minutes on these. And then they would have like a teaching time afterwards. And that kind of got me in the idea. Those are pretty good. I I like those. And uh, just trying to think of what it would be like, especially in Mark 4, you know, where Jesus just without any warning starts to do Mm -hmm. this. And what it would have been like to actually hear that, yeah. And then just to have him like be like, "Well, that's that's it for today." Yeah, think <laughs> yeah. about that one. And then you go home, and someone asks you, you know, 
hey, what did Jesus talk about today? Uh, well, you know, I, he talked about throwing seed out on the ground. And that was it. And it's like, and, and they said, well, what did that mean? Well, I, I'm not, well, I'm not sure. I'm not really, I have, yeah. to, I have to think about that. You know, just what that experience would have been like. Yeah, it's kind of has that Jesus the philosopher feel, you know, like with these parables or really probably like clear things if you can receive it rightly. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I remember you working on those yeah. and I thought, man, if I ever preach through one of the gospels, I need to do that. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, how can Resurrection Church be praying for you, the Trox, and Richfield Bible Church? Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that you do pray for us and we pray for you guys. Um, as part of our regular rotation of churches that we feel close with and want to see. And, and it's been great to hear. You know, you've asked a lot of questions about about us, but it's just been great to hear, you know, how God's blessed here. And uh, this, this is actually my first time to see the, the building today down here, but but more so just to hear of, you know, people being baptized, people added to the church, you know, and uh, just thankful for, for you guys. Um, but for us with uh, prayer, I mean, I think— if you're talking about me and Phil, like we always think about our families. You know, we have he has uh, three kids. Uh, he and Rachel have three kids, and then I have five kids. And you know, just being able to shepherd them uh, well, uh, you know, God entrusts us with these precious children, and that we would be faithful to steward those gifts well and show them Christ and teach them Christ. Um, you know, those are always key things for us. But I think in terms of the ministry, um, I think that this year as we look towards the future more. It just feels like a little bit different. We've been in the building a year and a half, and it's it's filling up a little more nowadays. And just what does this mean for the future? You know, that's kind of where I've been thinking about prayer points. You know, is we would love to see God add more elders to our church just to help us be able to shepherd the people better. Um, we'd love to see uh, churches planted, missionaries sent out from our, from our church. You know, over over the next few years, you know, so praying towards towards that. And then as I look back at 2022, uh, one thing that we wanted from the very beginning was to see Hispanic ministry grow because, you know, each part of the Twin Cities has its own demographics, and, and Richfield is very Hispanic. Like I think in the public schools, the number one demographic is Hispanic uh, in the public schools, and it's about 40%. And so we've ever since we started, we wanted to see more opportunities to invest and, and share the gospel with Spanish speakers uh, within our community. And that was just something we saw little bits of growth, you know, but a lot of disappointments actually, like just kind of it didn't work out the way we hoped when we planted. And in 2022, God has really changed that. And we don't know where this will lead, but there's been just a, a really a lot of growth in the reaching of people who need to hear the gospel and learn of Jesus in Spanish. And so we don't know what that's going to look like down the road. Mm-hmm. But for example, we have live translation going on, you know, in the services now with maybe often like 15 to 20 people listening in Spanish. And then we've started a Spanish community group this year. And, and my Spanish is not great, so do not. <laughs> but I'm trying to help facilitate that. And we've been having, again, maybe like 15 to 20 People coming to that, you know, Bible study on the book of Proverbs, and we're singing and praying in Spanish and things. And so just we'd love to see some of those people uh, actually join the church officially this next year uh, who've been coming faithfully, and we just have great relationships. We're so thankful for them. And and then just 
we're not sure of everything that God wants to do with this, but it's been super encouraging to us. It's been an answer to prayer, something that maybe we weren't ready for this, you know, early on in the, in the church. And because uh, there's no real explanation, you know, of why now and not mm-hmm. not earlier. But we want to be good stewards of that and would love to see continued gospel opportunities for those who need to hear Christ of Christ in Spanish. And then maybe, you know, who knows what this will lead to um, down the road. But that's definitely a prayer point for us as we as we move forward as well. Great. Well, we'll keep praying for you guys. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for you in particular. Lots of fun conversations over the last couple months. Um, But if you want to learn more about Richfield Bible Church, you can go to richfieldbiblechurch.com. And I would recommend going to their sermons page and listening to your sermon series through James. We just finished James, but if you want another dive through James, I listened to a few of yours, Brian, was really encouraged by that. But I'd especially recommend, as we've talked about on our Bible reading podcast, your sermon series on the book of Jeremiah, because Mm. that is a toughie. It's a long book. And um, the couple of sermons I've listened to were really, really helpful, especially those first ones to get people into the book. So thanks for posting those things. And um, as we pray for you guys, um, our members can go to your website and, and see what's going on with your church. Thanks so much.